Welcome back to another episode of the QB Spotlight Podcast. As always, we thank you for your listenership. Thank you for joining us again. It is a beautiful day here in the Sunshine State, and as Steve would say, it is a beautiful day in God's country, the Lone Star State. Eric Henry, FIU beat writer, co-managing editor of Underdog Dynasty, host extraordinaire. If I may say so myself, as always, no, I'm just just put myself over the guy you are here to hear. The guy that you are here to hear talk about quarterback play is the QB guru himself, Mr. Stephen Hamner. Steve, what's going on, brother? Man, Eric, what's up, dude? No, you are the uh, the podcast host, uh, whatever big fancy word you, you used. Um, I feel like every every time I hear you in the podcast, I feel like you're cheating on me. But I guess I guess you are with them first. I kind of have. have uh, I've been trying to to peel you away, so you know I'm okay with being the uh, the the mistress, if you will. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll take the, I'll take that role. But everything is good here in, in God's country, Eric. Thank you for uh, referring to it. You know, as most people around the country do. <laughs> Steve, as you so like to do ever so often, whether it's on this podcast or you know, you never do it on Twitter. I, I would take the shout out on Twitter. But you like to refer to the fact that, you know, I lift a little bit and I try to keep myself in shape. There's more than enough of me to go around for multiple <laughs> podcasts. As, as long as, you know, there, there, are, there, are, there are opportunities to monetize these things, there's more than enough of me to be spread around. So uh, we'll just we'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, Steve, really quick, before we jump into things, uh, we want to go ahead and thank the, uh, the fine folks who are hosting this podcast. Go ahead and shout them out, my man. Yeah. So uh, as always, you can find us on uh, on. If you go to NFLDraftDiamonds.com, they will be uh, uploading our podcast and, and, and kind of spreading it out. Uh, they do a great job. You can also find them on Twitter at DraftDiamonds. Uh, and, and like we've talked about every show, they do a good job kind of spotlighting and highlighting uh, the, these diamonds in the rough, if, if you will, players that play at, a, at lower uh, level schools and kind of help them uh, get noticed and kind of, uh, you know, give them a spotlight and give them some attention. Also, we want to say if, if anyone is um, – interested in starting their own podcast or, or kind of uh trying to figure out what host they want to use you can you uh you can use the host that we use at podbean i will uh put a link uh in the description of this podcast if anyone is is interested in, in you know kind of getting in that field but now that we have that out of the way uh we can kind of roll into what uh, what everyone comes here to uh, listen to which is you know the, the best uh the best uh, not state the best position in every sport <laughs> I, I promise to our loyal listeners, uh, we won't become just you know ad uh, whores for like yeah. excuse, excuse my language, but uh, we we we, we just you know just bear with us as we're growing this thing. It's it's helping us grow, so appreciate you uh, uh, bearing with us in that front. Uh, Steve, really quick, before we talk about the four guys: Lance Lejean, James Foster, Grant Gunnell, and Jason Bean. Saw your tweet that you sent out at ten twenty one a.m. this morning, at least Eastern time. Yeah. There are 111 quarterbacks in the transfer portal. Or excuse me, that you sent that day, you sent that out two days ago. That number is now at 119. There were 111 quarterbacks as of two days ago, according to 247 Sports. That number was in the 40s in mid-December. Uh, just want to get your quick thoughts on that. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, you know, you were the one telling me, "Hey, it's going to get crazy. It's going to get crazy." And I feel <laughs> like this keeps getting crazier. And that number is now 120 because of Tate Martell being in the. Uh, in the transfer portal, if depending if you look at him as a you know a quarterback or, or receiver, but man, it's a uh, it is it gives us a lot of content, which is great, right? Sometimes this can be like a little slower period, uh, but it's definitely going to be interesting to to see how it plays out because they're like what 130, 129 FBS uh, programs, so 
um, man, it, it's uh, it, it is definitely going to be interesting and, and definitely for people, you know, like us and anyone that comes to the podcast, um, it, it's, it's going to, uh, you know, give us something to talk about and kind of break down. Steve, something that I've talked about on my other podcasts and I will be quite frankly, be pretty interested to ask whether it's Butch Davis or if we're lucky enough to get a conference USA media day, some of the other head coaches around the conference is this. And I definitely want your thoughts on it as someone who works with, you know, young athletes, uh, professional athletes in general in, in your in your um, your uh, daily work. What's happening essentially, and you're starting to see it trickle out little by little, is because of the influx of players, not just quarterbacks, but influx of players to the transfer portal in general. Mm-hmm. The byproduct of that, unfortunately, is that a lot of high school kids who normally yeah. would sign offers and whatnot, you know, they're either having their offers rescinded or they're not getting offered at all. And in specificity to the quarterback position, I'm not necessarily going to ask you, you know, about other positions, but in specificity to the quarterback position, I want to ask you um, what kind of effect do you think that's going to have? Right. Because if you look at this podcast, a lot of the guys we we talk about, and yes, in this transfer portal episode, we're going to talk about Lance Lejean and and, and Jason Bean, excuse me, not Jason Bean, Lance Lejean and and James Foster, who were four-star guys, right? Those were guys who would have ended up with college scholarships, regardless right but then you take a guy like a jason bean who heck of an athlete was a heck of a track guy um believe was rated a three-star prospect borderline two-star three-star a lot of the quarterbacks we talk about and we profile and during the season underrated under kind of recruited guys yeah they could be guys who end up you know um not getting places so i just want to get your thoughts on that really quickly steve yeah that's interesting i wonder because that's a good question i don't have you know the best answer but i wonder if like the juco route may be something that's more attractive this year and next year like even even some of the stuff we put out and and, you know we have uh, college coaches that are that keep up with our our work and our podcast and i've had even the past um few days uh had had college coaches from uh from the FBS level to the FCS level or the JUCO level reach out and just ask about are there any quarterbacks and the transfer portal you recommend you are there any quarterbacks that you have blah blah that type of stuff but it was interesting because no one was asking about any of the high school kids right they're asking about the the, the quarterbacks in the transfer portal so that just kind of hammers your point and, and some of these schools you know they come and they, they have said hey we have you know a scholarship available uh do you have film of this guy or or uh, you have anyone, you know, any, anyone that you, that you know of that could fit this this need for us? And it's, it's it's interesting that the transfer portal route is the route that they seem to be going. <clears throat> excuse me, as opposed to kind of the more developmental side, I guess, uh, with the high school kids. But yeah, I'm man, your guess is honestly as good as mine right there. Um, but the JUCO route may be a more attractive option to some of these guys. Yeah, Steve, you know, and like I said, we'll we'll cap it on this one. But I think it's interesting in that the JUCO route, like you mentioned, could be an attractive route. Yeah. I just think you're going to see a lot of guys who, you know, maybe some of those guys like the Chris Reynolds, who started as seventh string at Charlotte, you know, maybe he doesn't end up with that walking opportunity or or whatever it may be. But I, I do think, you know, ideally that a lot of these kids will get a chance to go JUCO. But where I'm curious, and, you know, we can discuss this another time, is – what does that do to a quarterback psyche, right? When you're someone who you think you can play, uh, you feel pretty confident that you're a, a, an FBS guy. And listen, it's a trickle-down effect because you have FCS coaches who, um, a guy we talked about on this podcast, Stone Norton, right? He hits mm-hmm. the portal, he ends up at Southern Illinois. It's it's going to trickle all the way down. So we'll just have to keep an eye on it and see what the, um, you know, what the repercussions go. But 
to transition to the quarterbacks that we are going to talk about today. Someone uh, I know I'm very excited to talk about, and you are as well. Lance Lejean, the former star of QB1, or, or one of the stars, I should say, mm-hmm. of QB1. I love that show and love watching him. You know, got that thick New Orleans, Louisiana accent down there. He is making his way from Maryland, the former four-star prospect. Was, I believe was a rated a, a 90, 90.27, if memory serves me correct, or .9027 is how they do those rankings. He's heading back to Louisiana, uh, to the University of Louisiana. Uh, forgive me, uh, ULL fans. I, I, I always mess up on what you guys like to be referred to as. Uh, I've had tech fans my mention. Uh, the Raging Cajuns. Raging that Cajuns. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's where he's heading. Steve, yeah. take it away. Yeah, so he's uh, – uh, well, Eric, how do you pronounce his last name? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess it up. I, I – so <laughs> for, for those of you who may not be familiar, it is spelled L-E-G-E-N-D-R-E. I have always heard it pronounced as Lejean. Lejean, okay. Yeah, that's it. I should know kind of the, the Cajun terms. My, my, I have family from, you know, down in those parts. So I should be able to speak it better, but man, it's a whole different language. But anyways, um, yeah, so like like Eric mentioned, uh, the only reason I knew about him was just because of QB1 coming out. Um and then you know you know once once he graduated he something like I just kind of kept in I kept watch um, just because I was interested in his story and uh, someone who was committed to I believe Kansas before uh, switching to to Maryland uh, and he he was so he was in the competition with uh, two of his younger brothers it how do you pronounce two of his younger brothers first name Eric do you know Talia is it Talia Talia uh, Talia and so, so he was in competition uh, with him with, in Maryland and ended up losing um, that competition uh, to his younger brother. Actually, had a pretty decent year. Um, but Lance played, you know, a, a handful of snaps, had one start, which didn't go great. Uh, it was 7-10, and 10, like 42 yards and two picks in that start. So there's not a ton of film on him for college-wise. You, you don't have a ton of film to go off of. Uh, just the fact he's a big-time recruit and the film that he has in high school. And that film shows that he has all the tools to be a very good quarterback at any FBS level. Uh, he's a great athlete. He has a strong arm. Uh, and, and so that, that that's what you get from the high school film. Obviously, just that one start, you don't have a ton of film to go to go from uh, college-wise, at least. But I think what he has working for him uh, is the fact, and it might seem counterintuitive at first, uh, is the fact that Levi Lewis is coming back as of now. And sure. I talked to someone in the Sunbelt kind of uh, uh, community who confirmed that. So as of now, Levi Lewis, you know, is coming back for another year. He's not going to the NFL draft this year. And so Lance isn't going to have to come in and, and start, you know, right off the bat or even necessarily uh, expect to start uh, right off the bat. He can come in and learn the offense and kind of go from there and, you know, how they use him. And I know Levi Lewis is a, is a good athlete in his own right, but they could use, you know, Lance as just a, you know, a superior athlete to that to that level as far as the lesson goes so they could use him in so many different roles and you know i'm not saying that he can't go in and get the job at some point but levi lewis is a stud and you know he has a, that, that that grasp on the job but long story short uh i think he can come in learn the offense and set himself up for success down the road even if he doesn't get a lot of playing time this year Steve, did you say you spoke to someone in the Sunbelt community? Almost sound like you got sources, like you're a journalist there. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> sorry, again, I had to throw that. Uh, I'm trying to that, pick up your lingo. I'm trying to pick up your lingo, Eric. <laughs> exactly. No, Steve, really quick. Um, yeah. I want to ask you this, right? Yeah. When you look at Lance Lejean, um, and, I, and I just checked the pronunciation, it is Lejean. So okay. um, close. it's pretty similar. Yeah. But I think uh, I want to get your thoughts on his 
ability as a passer. Yeah. One of the things, of course, like you mentioned, not a ton of film on him at the collegiate level, but if you watched the show QB1, which, I mean, they do a phenomenal job of profiling high school quarterbacks. Yeah. I, I remember seeing a lot of him running to set up, you know, scrambling to set up a pass. You know, it wasn't as if he's someone who, for lack of a better phrase, is just a complete, like, he's a dual threat, but he's not looking to, to run for, you know, 1,500 yards. So I just want to get your assessment of him as a thrower, because it, to me, I think the thing that always struck uh, me when, when he came out was that I viewed him more as, here's the analogy I'll use. Remember Donovan McNabb as he got into the midsection of his career, not the later section of his career after the broken leg and whatnot, but when it looked like he scrambled to look downfield to make plays, right? That's kind of what he reminded me of, as opposed to maybe you know uh, someone who's going to look to just take off and run, or no, even or or maybe a modern day analogy, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, no, I I think I think that that fits because even even his brief time that he he uh, was able to play at Maryland, his one start. You know, he didn't run all that much. I don't even know if he – I don't even know if net uh, rushing yards, if he was above zero for the season, you know, in those handful of, of uh, games he played. And so I think I think he is definitely looking to pass first. And some of those athletic quarterbacks, you know, they'll want to – sometimes you try too hard, you know, to, to look to pass first. You know, I think sometimes you can go ahead and just take what the defense gives you with your legs. Uh, but he's a guy who definitely has the tools – not just from a running standpoint, but he can throw, he can push it downfield, uh, which I think is kind of becoming a common theme with the, with these kind of four-ish star recruits that are coming down from the FBS level. I'm sorry, from the uh, power five level to the, the group of five level is a lot of these guys can push the ball downfield and can spread uh, the offense up a little, uh, spread the offense open a little bit. Now, um, so I, I think his skill set is actually going to be similar to Levi Lewis's. Uh, he's just probably a better athlete. Now, Lewis is a, is a very polished passer, uh, but I think Lance is probably a, a better overall uh, athlete, but similar skill sets. Next quarterback we're going to talk about is James Foster, who is making the transition from Texas A&M to Charlotte. Former four-star recruit as well, someone who's ranked just a notch below Lance, but still in that same kind of stratosphere as far as 247 goes. Want to get your thoughts on him, and then I will kind of uh, give you my assessment, you know, someone who covers Conference USA. Yeah, I definitely want to get – I definitely want to hear um, kind of what you've heard or what uh, your initial thought is just because the fact that you know, they already have Chris Reynolds. But before we get into into that, he's someone who, who's similar to Lance, a dual-threat guy, did not have – uh, does not have much film at all to break down. I think he had a few passes in 2019, and that was it. So there's no college film. Um, however, if you if you watch his, his high school film, he is a uh, good athlete, can run, and has a good arm, can push it downfield. The quote from 24-7 Sports, I don't know who the analyst was, um, but the, the, the quote from 24-7, excuse me, where I'm looking at it right now, is – oops, okay. Uh, so basically they, they – I don't have the exact quote pulled out in front of me, uh, but basically a, a good runner can push the ball downfield, can drive the ball. Uh, so kind of exactly what we talked about with Lance. He's a guy who is going to be able to make every throw. He's probably – if you compared him to Chris Reynolds, like in shorts, you know, you'd probably pick you know, James Foster every time because he's bigger. Uh, faster and has a can of an arm but you know uh, once you get the pads it becomes a little different so um, Chris Reynolds is someone that you and I both like a lot but I think this is a a win-win uh, for Charlotte in the fact that if Chris, Chris Reynolds is the starter you know 
this year, next year, and so on. That's great. That's awesome. If something happens, you know, James Foster comes in and is able to get more playing time, that's probably great too. You know, you, you can never have uh, a, enough talent if you use it correctly. So I think it's a win-win situation for Charlotte having James Foster and having uh, Chris Reynolds uh, back as, as your starter. Uh, I haven't seen anything or read anything about, you know, the competition or, or what's going to happen, but, you know, you always want to get better and, and get more depth there. Yeah, Steve. So where I think it gets interesting with Reynolds is this, and this is where I'm going to toss it back to you. Listen, no one who covers Conference USA, arguably nobody's as big a fan of Chris Reynolds as I am in terms of, I remember in 2018, you know, he suffered the broken leg, but that was the year prior to Will Healy's arrival here. But it was the final year of the Brad Lambert era. And they're there fighting and fighting to get that bowl, um, get that winning season, make it to six wins. I believe they finished five and seven that year. And I just remember a guy who, wasn't the most talented quarterback on the roster. Um, if my memory serves me correct, it was Hassan Clue and uh, the other kid, uh, um, Evan Sheriffs, should have been the other quarterback um, at the time. You know, Sheriffs was a big-time recruit, uh, spent some time in Miami and whatnot, and Hassan Clue was someone who had been there from the time the program made the jump from FCS to FBS. But Reynolds was the one who consistently made plays and got the offense moving down the field. Insert Will Healy, 2019, he turns into really one of the top play, uh, top playmakers in conference USA the quarterback position mm -hmm. throws for over 20 touchdowns over 2,500 yards and probably rush for over five 600 yards as well yeah uh just a tick under 800 yards rushing on the ground so shown to be a true dual threat my concern is and now listen 2020 no team in conference USA was affected by COVID as much as Charlotte they had nine games canceled it's hard to, to ask your team ask 18 to 23 year olds to be committed week in and week out to say we're going to play only to Charlotte in, in certain cases had games canceled the morning of, if not the night before the game. You know, it's hard to ask kids to buy in week in and week out. And when you look at the games they did play, I believe they had two power five opponents. I know they played one game against Duke. I can't remember the other, but I think they did have a, another power five opponent as well. So the numbers, yes. And they played a, a tough App State team as well. So the yep. numbers came down, but still concerning, Chris, because the uh, still concerning, Chris, uh, still concerning, Steve, because the thing about Chris Reynolds is his accuracy is always what kind of, you know, made him being efficient with the yeah. ball, completed 65% of his passes 2018, 63% in 2019. That number came down to 54.9 in 2020, still the eight touchdowns to two interceptions. My long-winded way of asking you this, mm -hmm. we both love Chris Reynolds. Mm -hmm. But do you believe that there is a higher ceiling for this offense that can be unlocked with a more "quote unquote" physically gifted quarterback? It, yes, and so that's a good question. I think I think the the answer is yes, of, of course. Um, that is um, that can that is definitely a that is kind of like a if if you, so. Let's put it this way: if if I have uh, this five star recruit come in and someone that's way more talented than Chris Reynolds, which, you know, in the past, so the past, let, let me rewind real quick. Every year Chris Reynolds has started, uh, he's had to beat out a higher-rated transfer, correct? The uh, Miami guy from 2018, uh, Brett Keane from 2019. Now, you know, 2020s, no difference. So with that said, I think, of course, if you have a talented guy that comes in and his, that talented quarterback can be, who that, that talented quarterback, you are able to, have him reach his full potential, then, then yes, the offense should be uh, better with that guy than at Chris Reynolds. However, Chris Reynolds is, you know, 
is hitting his potential and continues to get better, even though this year was down year. I think there's a few things that one, he did battle through some kind of, I don't know if injury is the right word, but he was beat up a little bit uh, to the app state game. Uh, he was like 11 of 30 something passing or something like that it was, it was in the rain. It was bad weather. So that wasn't going to help his uh, completion percentage. So I would chalk the, and, and you mentioned this, I would chalk, chalk the 2020 season up for Chris Reynolds as, as almost an anomaly due to everything going on. Um, but like you said, if James Foster is, is the real deal and comes in and is sharp, then yeah, that, that offense can, you know, go to the next level because, okay, now you have a guy who can push the ball downfield, make every single throw, and is just as good as a runner as Chris Reynolds has been, maybe even more uh, explosive and more dynamic. Um, so long-winded answer, yes, but also let's not forget the fact that this has happened every single year to Chris Reynolds and he still has come up on top. So I think it's going to be fascinating to, to, to watch. And like I said, I think it is going to be truly a win-win for Charlotte. Yeah. Ironically enough, one of the guys you mentioned there, Brett Keene, who transferred from South Florida was a three-star recruit. He actually is on the coaching staff there. He's a, uh, I believe he's a GA. So okay. actually ironically enough that Brett Keene is still there. And yeah, one of the things that you have to mention with Chris Reynolds, no one's earned the respect of his teammates and the guys in the locker room more than him, because like you mentioned, from going from seventh string to becoming the starter to you having to beat out a guy in 2019. And not only that, remember, coaching change. It's not like he's a Will Healy guy, quote unquote, at that time. You know, uh, I'm not questioning the relationship now, but coming into 2019, Will Healy. And when we had a chance to talk to <laughs> Will Healy at Conference USA Media Days, he said, hey, you know, we got an open race. Uh, yeah. It's going to be no matter who steps up and, and makes that job theirs. But um, it'll definitely be interesting to see how that plays out. And I do think. Probably the ideal situation, you know, and I'm not saying that James Foster can't come in and do some things, being a more physically gifted quarterback, but probably the ideal situation is Reynolds comes in and, you know, it's a Gurner, he has the respect of those guys and comes in, takes that job in a normal offseason, and, you know, Charlotte's able to get back to where they were, and then James Foster can uh, really transition from there, and we'll see what happens. The next quarterback we're going to talk about head to the American Conference, Grant Gunnell. Coming in from Arizona, definitely want to get your, your thoughts on this one, because as you see here in your notes, uh, rated a very high three-star player, I guess is that one point away from four stars, so take that for what it's worth. But with Memphis, one of the things that you and I have kind of noted with, with Brady White is I don't want to say you can come in and be a quote-unquote game manager, right, and, and just come in and just you know insert a guy, but there usually is or are a lot of pieces around uh, the quarterback at Memphis to kind of facilitate success. So definitely want to get your thoughts on Grant Gunnell. Yeah. So to go on, to, to, to hop on that topic real quick, I think you're right where you can come in and if, if you can just distribute the ball well, Memphis is going to be pretty good. But if you can come in and be and have some elite quarterback play, then, you know, like you saw with like, you know, Riley Ferguson in the past or even our Paxton Lynch, if you can get some elite quarterback play, the Memphis can be the, the best team in the American um sorry about UCF and and your head coach Eric but anyways um back to Memphis quarterback so uh Grant Gunnell is a as a, a Houston Houston kid for, I went to St. Pius someone I uh I remember uh just huge numbers in the state of Texas just just bonkers numbers uh, Arizona uh and he split time with Khalil Tate in 2019 um and it was did a good job. Um, and so coming to 2020, you think he's going to take the next step. That doesn't necessarily work out. And, you know, there's several different reasons why. Um, 
However, he's a big kid. He's he's six six. Has got a strong arm. And I think that's the biggest difference compared to Brady White because they actually do remind me of each other. They're pocket quarterback guys. They're truly pocket quarterback guys, but they're they're more than just a statue. They can move around a little bit. Um, however, Grant Grant Cano has a big arm and, and can drive it down the field and really really open up the passing game, which you know is, is going to help with the run game as well. A few things I saw from film was he, he does kind of hold hold on to the ball too long at times. Uh, he's still young, still learning how to read defenses and kind of uh, break down what coverages they were in. Um, I was also surprised that Arizona did not push the ball downfield as much as I would uh, anticipate with the uh, arm strength that Grant Cannell has. However, uh, like you mentioned, Memphis has the receivers to make those plays. So I, I anticipate him being able to come in and be able to push the ball downfield. And there is so there, there's there's one more kind of uh, element to this, and I'm, we're not going to talk about Peter Parrish too much. However, he is a uh, a transfer from LSU. He was on the roster at Memphis this past year, I believe, in, in 2020. Uh, transfer right before the season right. started, and he was another very highly uh, ranked quarterback from uh, from high school. And and 20 the 24 uh, seven scouting department, what one of their quotes was was this. Uh, true, a, a true dual threat option with great athleticism relative to the position. Uh, he is able to he they complement each other as far as his ability to to drive the ball on the perimeter, as well as having enough wiggle room to make the first defender miss. So that's according to you know what the twenty four seven sports page says about Peter Parrish. So I think there's going to be a good competition here, or at least imagine you got two different quarterbacks one kind of a true pocket guy then uh peter Parrish, who can push a ball downfield but is also athletic enough to uh have his legs be a threat so this is one that's going to be super interesting because like we've talked about brady right before um he he's played well but there was always that like okay he's hit his he's he hit his ceiling and kind of stayed at that level and memphis was still competitive so now they have to replace him and you got two different style quarterbacks that are trying to come in and, and do just that Steve, really quick, I want to ask you something. I'm definitely curious to get your thoughts on this because, you know, every time I try to talk about it, whether it's on radio or other places, I didn't send him sound like an idiot. So let's go to a quarterback. What are your thoughts on the quarterback competitions when you have two truly opposite players, right? As we talk about with uh, with Grant Gunnell in terms of being a pocket passer and then Peter Harris, the complete opposite. I'm just wondering, just I won't even try to couch it. Just your thoughts on, on yeah. when that dynamic. Yeah, I think it, you de- it definitely test the creativity of the offensive coordinator because, uh, you, you know, I think you almost have not two totally different offenses, but two um, different schemes in a way where if so-and-so wins, uh, you're going to surround him about, around these play calls. And then if so-and-so wins, the play calls are going to be different. Um it's different than like the Baltimore Ravens approach where they, you know, Lamar Jackson is their guy. So their backups are all now guys that can run the same offense, like Robert Griffin third, Tracy McSorley, and then Tyler Huntley from uh, Utah. So like the Ravens took the approach, okay, Lamar Jackson's our guy. We don't want to have any different court, like a, like a, obviously no one is, like Lamar Jackson, but as far as style goes, that they, they want to keep the scheme the same. So they had their quarterback system. They had their backup quarterbacks the exact same. Well, this is different. They've got two different, um, two different style of quarterbacks that, that are coming in. So I think that all comes down to the coaching. Can you have two different schemes? If, if Gunnell runs that pocket, 
uh, if Grinnell runs, runs an offense better than Parrish runs his style of offense, uh, does he take it or vice versa? So I think it all comes down to the creativity of the offensive coordinator and then his ability to, you know, put those guys in situations where they can succeed. Steve, really quick, this is something obviously in my capacity covering FIU. Uh, I had a chance to watch not only when James Morgan competed for the job with Christian Alexander, but this past year, whether it was Stone Norton, Kalen Wiggins, or, you know, um, uh, come on, come on, uh, Max Bortenschlager. There we yeah. go. It's been too long <laughs> since the season ended, right? But, Steve, um, <laughs> for better or worse, at least in FIU's case, they're, they were running the offense that's out there, right? Uh, it doesn't matter if you're the the, the pocket pass or the dual threat, right? Yeah. Now, we saw that with Christian Alexander, and James ended up winning the job, and all well that ended well, and Christian won the bowl game and was the hero in that sense. You see it this year, uh, Kalen Wiggins run the same offense that Max Bortenschlager runs, that Stone Norton runs, that, yeah. right? It left a lot to be desired. Yeah. What are your thoughts, not, not specifically on the FIU situation, but yeah. – do you have to cater the offense, right? Is it possible to, and maybe, you know, we'll try to get a, a, a former offensive coordinator or something like that on to talk about that as well, but yeah. is it possible to manage both of those types of styles? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it is. Um, you know, it all comes down to like, let, let's, let's look at this. So you remember when Rich Rodriguez went to coach Michigan, you know, he's, he's running oh. the, the, you know, he was, he kind of is what really made the zone option, the zone read and the quarterback, uh, being able to read the DN and either pull it or hand it to the running back. He's kind of what made that, you know, famous in a sense. And they had, you know, Ryan Mallett at quarterback, who was a big six seven guy, couldn't run, but had a cannon. And so you have like that type of quarterback running an offense that's not meant for him. And it was a, you know, a, a failure for, for lack of better terms. Mallett ended up transferring and, you know, Rich Rod went somewhere else. Uh, but I definitely think it is, it is possible uh, to have those two different systems. Um, I think it's, it's. I think it's probably easier to have two different systems than to force a quarterback that fit that doesn't fit that system into that system. Does that make sense? No, no. That and see, you kind of touched on what I was. Ta- what I was curious of right there. So yeah. that absolutely makes sense. So let's go and transition to our last quarterback, Jason Bean. Kid, I had a chance to see North Texas. When you talk about a dynamic athlete, even I did not know. Yeah, you know, legit track athlete. I mean, he I can't remember which game it was, but there was a a read option that he took 70 yards. And I was like, whoa, yeah, uh, you've got the legit speed. So definitely want to hear your thoughts on Jason Bean and, and where he may uh, kind of end up what you like about him. Yeah. So no, I was the same way with you. Whenever I saw he had some big a big run against Middle Tennessee and against Rice, I can run off the top of my head. And I, when I saw those runs, I was like, damn, wow. Like uh, uh, I did not know he was that type of athlete. Um and so he, yeah, he's our only guy we're talking about in the show who's actually uncommitted. You know, we're getting so many more guys that are committed uh, that we're talking about. But uh, however, Jason Bean, I think he's a talented guy. I think he can fit any RPO system well. Uh, he's kind of hit or miss, right? He he had some big plays, had some big plays throwing the ball too. But but his kind of biggest, uh, I don't know, if flaw is the right word. Uh, but his. What, what, what really hurt him was the little stuff and the little plays that led to sustainable drives that he struggled with. So he would have a huge play touchdown, then go three or four drives with nothing. And not that you have to score every time, but you have to at least have some type of offensive success, uh, you know, to keep your team in, in the rhythm of the, uh, in, in a positive rhythm of the game. Um, so he, it was just inconsistent in that regard. And that's not all on, on him. Um, but he was, you know, big time hit or miss. My my question with him, and, and I do think he has tools. I think he's an FBS talented guy. I think he's got tools to play at this level. My question was with him is, 
is he going to go the route that Stone Norton went, who I think is also a talented FBS caliber quarterback, or is he going to go? Is he going to go the route Norton went and go to uh, an an FCS school, or is he going to go to uh, try to go to an FBS school and, and try to have that be the focus? So I think there's a lot of unknowns, uh, you know, with the quarterbacks and transfer portal in general, with rosters spill, uh, filling up. But I kind of think he's in that kind of decision. Okay, do I go FCS or do I try to you know hang on and go FBS? Even though he, he's a talented guy, so uh, the biggest knock was inconsistency. Uh, but like we've talked about, he definitely definitely has the tools to be successful if someone kind of mold him and, and help him you know fit, get and get him into a system that really fits him. I'll piggyback off that and use a Stone Norton analogy that you said there. Yeah. I would go somewhere, and, and and especially given the transfer portal situation as we led the show with in terms of just pure availability. If you can find an FCS program that says, hey, we believe in you and we're going to run something that, you know, is going to cater to your strengths and and we, we want you here and we'll develop you. If Jason Bean can find that, I, I think he should go, quite frankly. And for those of you listening who may not be familiar with him, I, I guess I should give a little breakdown in terms of his size. And we talk about him being such a dynamic athlete. He's not a he's not a five nine hundred and seventy pound guy. You know, he's six three, uh, about a buck eighty. I'm mean, so kind of you know skinny in the frame, but he's a taller guy. And Steve, really quick, yeah. I want to know if you saw the same thing I did. I didn't see any issues with the arm. No, no, he's got a strong arm. He's got a strong. Okay. Arm. Yeah, yeah. So I just want to put that on the record there. Yeah. You know, it, the consistency definitely was an issue. Yeah. Uh, want to ask you this because I think this is what stood out to me. I was making the joke on the Conference USA podcast throughout the season that you know, given some of these struggles across the league uh, in terms of quarterback play, that you know maybe your top quarterback was Grant Wells, and then your your second best quarterback might have been at times Frank Harris, or you know could have been you know a couple other guys. And then your third best quarterback was Jalen Darden, and that's North Texas's star receiver right, right. involved in a ton of receptions and, yeah. and and essentially saying that you know when you have a guy who's that talented, it, it's just you know get the ball in his in his vicinity and you know, make it make it happen. Yeah. It, any any hesitation in that part that you know when you have a guy who clearly is far and away any field he steps on he's a top talent and that Jason Bean was was you know kind of struggled and and that when Austin Ani was there. Um, not only did Darden's numbers go up, not that Darden had had a, a bad season by any stretch of imagination, but um, you know the offense kind of flourished more as well in that sense. So any hesitation when you see a guy who's clearly playing with a top talent NFL type receiver? Yeah, uh, uh, not necessarily, just because there's a lot of talent. You know, wherever he goes, uh, I, I can definitely understand that 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 point and the fact that you know he was a big. Uh, that that Jason Bean, his success came out off of big dynamic plays, which you know Darden was involved in, in a lot of those uh, those big plays downfield. Uh, so I can see there being some hesitation, but I think it, it comes back to like you know Bean can make those big plays. Uh, I think this comes back to doing the little things right, converting third and fours, convert the third and sixes. You know, keeping your offense on the field and your defense off the field. So I think I think it comes back to to the little things, regardless who your big time dynamic playmaker is does that make sense I, I just think I think those little things built up, if he does the little things well over time that consistency will, will come regardless if he has a you know an NFL talent at receiver or not yeah no that all makes sense you know we got a little bit of time left so I'm going to piggyback to a question that I'd want to ask you last week but didn't have a chance to squeeze it in let's go to your quarterback experience right uh, you're someone who transferred schools and and had to make that adjustment want to ask you this 
what just kind of take us inside the mind of a quarterback, right? When you got to get in there and learn a system, yeah. especially when you may be dealing for these kids who are still not committed and you're just going to have plenty of them who won't be throughout time. Uh, just the, just take us inside the actual process, having to get down, learn the system. And, and can that be done in such a compressed time span and, and legitimately compete for a starting role? Yeah. So I think obviously, you know, my, my case was, was way different than a lot, of, a lot of these kids, but I think, uh, so when I was in high school and in college, the spread offense was like really being formed, you know, and, and so I graduated high school in 09. So people can do the math to see how old or how young I am, depending which way you're looking at it. Um, but that's when the spread offense is really kind of taken, taken place, not just the air raid, like the Mike Leach, but the actual spread offense where you have offenses built on top of that spread formation, spread formation being we have, you know, four receivers and one running back typically. Um, and so you kind of spread the field, if you will, two receivers on each side. And so in high school, that's what we ran. And then my first school in, in college, that's what we ran. And then when I transferred to the next school, that's what they ran as well. And, um, you know, I, I didn't, uh, finish off four years, but it wasn't that hard to, to pick up necessarily, um, for the simple fact I had some really good coaches in high school, which helped, you know, so I think coaching is huge. I was able to uh, develop a, a mind to understand, you know, the offensive schemes, the strategies, and then, you know, how it fits against a certain defense. Um, so I think learning the system isn't necessarily the hard part, especially if it's a similar system, which it was for me. So it was, it was fairly easy to pick up and it was similar terminology and very similar um, play design. So, uh, you know, different play calls, different names. Some use the route tree. Some did, some don't have the route tree. You know, uh, some are some are simple, like a, like a play route. A play might be 29.84. And that just means my left outside receiver is running a two route, which was a slant. My left inside receiver is running a nine route, which is uh, just a go route. My right inside receiver is running, what I say, uh, an eight route, which is a post. And then my outside route receiver is running a, a dig, which is the four. So 29.84 um, would be like a, just like a simple play call. Or we would have something, you know, we have like a read side, say, you know, this is play X and, you know, backside is, 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 is route Y or whatever it may be. Uh, long story short, similar reads, similar checkdowns and all those offenses being the spread. So I think if you're in a similar offense, then it's going to be much easier. Now, where it got complex uh, was, was reading the defenses. That's what, that's where, uh, you know, my mind was in college and, um, for those that don't know, I got moved to safety. I was more of a athletic guy, anyways, uh, than a big time, big time uh, uh, thrower of the football. Um, but I think the the con. I think if you can find a system for these quarterbacks to kind of wrap it back around, if you can find a system that is similar to what you ran and what you are comfortable with, then you are going to be able to make that transition much easier. And the complex part for me was breaking down the defenses. But if you feel so comfortable in that system, it'll be easier to break down those defenses and kind of get on the same page with, with uh, your receivers and your teammate, teammates. I know it was kind of, kind of long-winded, uh, but it's definitely interesting, you know, because I transferred before, you know, the transfer portal was a thing, before it was this crazy thing. Uh, so, man, I got some, you know, some crazy stories with coaches and transfer stuff and, you know, getting chewed out by, um, by the, the one school I was at. I'll keep it all kind of uh, – I won't ruin anything, but I get chewed out by that one school I was at uh, transferring-wise, you know, all this type of stuff. And, you know, so it can be a lot mentally when you're an 18, 19-year-old kid, you know, and you're communicating with these grown adults and, you know, they're, they're cussing you out or what, treating you bad or whatever it may be from transferring. So the mental game is a big deal. I know that um, 
that wasn't necessarily part of the question, but I'm just kind of kind of kind of uh, going ranting on about some of the 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 kind of the inside things of transferring that maybe you know don't get brought to light so much. Uh, but long story short, uh, find the offense that fits and just just freaking roll with it and, and spin it. <laughs> that that's a worse to live by, right? If you're a quarterback. No, uh, you know, I, I, I'm glad you had a chance to go in there and, and really dive deep in that because that's something I'd wanted to get to on the last episode, but didn't have a chance. But without further ado, we'll go and close this one up because Steve's got to get back to raising his future quarterback. <laughs> and with that, you can find the podcast on Twitter at QB Spotlight. You can find Steve on Twitter at Stephen Hamner, S T E V E N. Hamner, H-A-M-N-E-R. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. The only way you can help this podcast grow is by leaving us reviews. If you're on Apple Podcasts, Google QB Spotlight or search QB Spotlight, I should say, and leave us a review. DM us, you know, any negative feedback, leave to me. Uh, Steve's rather sensitive, so I'll take the negative feedback. And and all as always, any quarterbacks you want to hear about that we have not covered, shoot us uh, info and, uh, you know, a name, and we'll definitely get to them as best we can. Thank you for listening, and we're working on some things in the future. Working on maybe a potential YouTube page. Uh, Steve, you know we got two minutes left. Anything else you want to cover about kind of the growth of this podcast? We're shut this one up. So we got some we got some good opportunities coming. Thanks to the listeners, and thanks to y'all so much. Wow, Uh, we've had some awesome like numbers and awesome downloads, some some like record stuff, and that's been helping us grow. And so again, like Eric said, any any um, subscribing to the channel, comments, ratings, all that stuff you hear on the podcast, whatever else, you know, they say that's all appreciated and great. And, and we thank y'all for listening. So like Eric said, we do have some stuff in the works. Uh, we have some, a, a pretty cool, um, a pretty cool kind of scheme of a, a YouTube channel coming with some awesome breakdowns and some interviews and cool stuff coming. And, you know, eventually you'll be able to find this podcast on the YouTube channel, but um, you know, we'll be able to update y'all in a few weeks of some, you know, stuff that we have, some concrete details will be coming y'all's way in, in a few weeks. But again, thank y'all so much for y'all's time. We, we truly are, we truly and sincerely appreciate y'all taking 40, 45 minutes of y'all's day and listening to me and Eric talk quarterbacks. <laughs> awesome. Sounds good. Thank you for listening. Stay safe, everyone. And we'll be back next week with more QB Spotlight.